Welcome, birders. This is Ed Pullen, your host on the Bird Banner Podcast, where birders talk birding. My guest this week is Brad Wagner. Brad is a top Washington birder. He's a chairperson of the Washington Rare Birds Committee and is a top uh, Kitsap County birder and a, a really avid Clallam County birder. And we talk quite a bit about Clallam County and Nia Bay, especially in this in this episode, but a top uh, birder in his counties and just a superb birder, funny and nice guy. Ken Brown and I, Ken's my best birding buddy, and we bird together a lot. Ken and Brad both live in Kitsap County. Well, we all joke that, uh, oh, Brad's on vacation. There won't be any good any good Kitsap County birds found this month that we can chase. Brad is just a really hot shit birder. He gets around uh, Kitsap County and finds all, seems like all the rare birds in the county he finds. He is just spectacular uh, and fun to be around. I've been with him a few times, met him in my travels once or twice, uh, and run into him in uh, Kitsap County and other places. He's always gracious and fun to be around. Really good birder. Uh, has some good stories to tell in this episode. I think you'll enjoy it. Welcome to the Bird Banner Podcast, episode number 34 with Brad Wagner. Hey, Brad, thanks for coming over. I appreciate you making the trip all the way over from Kitsap County to be on the Bird Banner Podcast. Welcome. Thanks, Ed. It's nice to be here. Yeah, it is good to be yeah. here. Maybe we can get on after. I'll show you that uh, Doom Peninsula. I'm area looking on, on forward way, to that. On and the way, gets... on the way, kind of not really on the way home. It's a one-way down and back, but it's right. pretty cool. Anyway, uh, thanks for coming. Brad, I like to start sometimes by asking people about their birding story. How'd you get into birding? Especially, I know you have two brothers you bird with at least quite a bit. And how did it all get started for you? Well, it got started back when I was about 10 years old, um, which would put it in the late 1960s. Okay. And it was due to my dad, who was a avid bird watcher at the time. And an avid bird watcher at that time meant not today's birder, but a bird watcher. It was almost something he kept in the closet with his friends. He just didn't tell people that he was a bird sure. watcher. It wasn't the exactly, uh, it was Mrs. Hathaway. Mrs. Exactly. Hathaway days. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Um, so that's how I got my start. It was my dad's interest in birds and noting how he was doing his listing, whether it be from his, uh, our place on Gamble Bay, which was a summer home which was really where I got my start in bird watching. But um, Summer it, Bay, I'm sorry, where's that? Uh, in it was a summer home on Gamble Bay um, in Kinsap County. So up oh, okay. by the Port Gamble, Port Gamble, Port okay. Gamble, with Port Gamble Mill at the time was in was right. there. So okay. that's that's where my start was, um, okay. and it was through my dad that sure. that the interest grew. So, but. Then as life went on, I was kind of in and out of it, you know, got back into it when I was in college, uh, was out of it during my high school days because of sports and yeah, girls. Yeah, that's the way and, it works. Yeah, sure. yeah. So, but. But my experience is that you can't get back that, you can't recapture those early days. So people who start birding when they're really young, they just have a, an edge that you can't recreate when you're 30 and start. It's, it's just, it's so true. And it's just something about the way we're wired. Right. And if you've. Um, had the advantage of I have have had is and working outside and being because I'm a self-employed landscaper landscaping right. at the time right being tuned into birds uh, it was just great just being out outdoors because you're right uh, at a young age you learn all the sounds the bird songs the calls of the familiar local birds but sure yeah sure and your brother you where are you I know you have at least two brothers yes and my younger brother Kevin has just kind of recently 
got back into it. Okay. But my older brother Dan has has been into it at he's he's very good. Yeah, and he's been into it at at kind of my level of fanaticism. Yes, um, which is a pretty high level. Yes. Of fanaticism. <laughs> If I yeah, my, so. my my wife would say, yeah, an obsession, right? Yes, that's okay. So, um, yeah, it's been kind of a, it's definitely been a family family thing. And we've gone on some very wonderful family trips um, with bird watching as kind of the soul. Very cool. Yeah, yeah very cool. Yeah. Uh, so you've been, you go way back in birding. And now, I, yeah, I just looked at the Kitsap uh, leaders for Lifeless. You've got, what, two more to get to 300 species in Kitsap? Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny you bring that up. I was joking that um, I was sitting at the start of the year at 298 in Kitsap and 298 in Clallam. Oh, my. <laughs> and so the joke was... So she's been oh, going to Clallam a lot. I've been That's going to Clallam a lot. And then we'll get into this, I'm sure, later in our discussion. Yeah. There's the Nia Bay effect. Yeah. And so, um, but... You'll get to three hundred faster. My, right? You'll yeah, get to three hundred faster in Clallam. Well, it, it turns out that might be the case because I've added one in Clallam recently. But um, so two ninety eight in Kitsap, and there's been there's been a handful, not a handful, but a few birds seen this year in Kitsap that would have been new for oh, me, wow. but I didn't score on them, and that would yeah. be Sooty Shearwater for one, oh. and which is kind I mean, of that surprises. That's me. a it's a, it's actually a surprise. The me. amount of time you spend at the point, oh my goodness. Point it, no point in, in Kitsap County is just somehow it just they all fly by there. It seems yeah, like. it's 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 uh, it's definitely Sooty Shearwater would then be definitely a nemesis bird because Vic Nelson has had it numerous times, you know, and Ryan Merrill seeing it from Carkeek over on the Kitsap side, right. and so it's it's just eluded me, yeah. and that's just the way it goes. That's the way it works. It's it's, yeah. it's the way it works. And and another one uh, that got seen this year was uh, Tufted Puffin, which eluded Vic all those years oh, at yeah. point no point so but yet they were seen in the sound this now, year Vic lived there for a long time didn't he right I mean right on the point right on the point um starting sometime in the 80s and so yeah he ran uh, like a little uh, business there or something yeah he, yeah he ran the point no point fishing resort for all those years and okay. somewhere along the line he became a birder and oh, there's okay. kind of a story behind that yeah, too that so. sounds like we maybe we can get that later it's a good story yeah, yeah. good so kids yeah so Kitsap's kind of the home turf and um i'm i as you know then i'm i'm into it yeah in fact actually yeah. um i would go far, so far as to say that somewhere back in the early 2000s home turf birding became a very key right. part of yeah. how I approached my birding. Do, so, do, do you think that sort of started with uh, Washington Birder and the county listing there, or did it get escalated with eBird? Or was there? I mean, I wasn't county birding that long ago, right? Uh, so I don't know how that all got started. No, it actually the story behind my um, fanatical approach to home turf birding started with, and I'm going to go actually to 2003. Okay, and it wasn't. Kitsap County then what I decided to do in 2003 and this was after a trip with my friends George Gertz and Jamie Acker right. to the coast well if you know George Gertz he's very into his state year list oh yes and so I'm especially early in the year it seems like he he wears out about <laughs> April to me but I don't know <laughs> no you're absolutely you're absolutely right he I take I say he's a kid kid in a candy store when it comes to the first part of January when it's those new birds of yeah. the year but um, so anyway, I'm on this trip with Jamie and George, and um, at the time, my daughter's uh, becoming a teenager and getting into softball, and so I'm looking at this state year listing, 
uh, approach to birding and I'm going, well, I can't do that. That's, I can't, you know, I've got too much stuff. It doesn't work. I got too much going on. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to see how many birds I can see on Bainbridge Island. Which is most of the Kitsap which birds. Is, which is a good portion of Kitsap. And um, so that year was an eye-opener. Um, and, you know, it's not it's not only the number. I think I recorded 182 birds that year. But it, mm-hmm. just, it just made me aware of what was possible um and and taking note of what arrives and what departs and what's moving through and Mm -hmm. and so it was fun i mean there were things like rock wren palm warbler clay colored sparrow all in the course of that year yeah which are not easy not easy birds but the the one bird that really hit it is that that i was doing some fall birding um near restoration point and looking for Nashville warbler because I didn't see Nashville warbler in fall and I've seen mm-hmm. these reports sure. now come to learn I think Nashville warblers are much tougher in fall than, than people make people make, yeah right but in this att- attempt for Nashville warbler I come across a golden winged warbler oh yeah that beats Nashville that beats Nashville area. and so it I I think and that's just an astonishing sighting and it's being doing year listing and year bird and home turf birding since that time you just realize that that stuff doesn't happen but if you're if you're taking that angle if you're it out can. and you're yeah. looking for little birds in the bushes you know, you then it can happen yeah. so but that's that's kind of what started the the, the home turf birding. And I think from, from the Bainbridge Island attempt of a big year that year, it's kind of turned into every year being Kitsap and what's going on at right. Kitsap and the places on Bainbridge Island that I visit and Point Nova Point, obviously. And, and, and yeah, I'm sure you get a, uh, you just get to know where to be when. I mean, you know that in April you look for this and that, and but by exactly. May you find other things, and then by November, then the, the, I yeah. mean, I'm sure you get a, a feel for that. You do, you you do get a feel, and you still you still learn a lot in the process. You just become amazed at at birds, especially migration time, whether it be spring or fall, the movements and yeah, it's weather, I'm weather, sure weather plays right? a role. You betcha. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So that is cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've, I've been doing Pierce County birding and I'm not a hotshot Pierce County birder like you are a Kitsap birder, but I sure is fun. It is uh, fun, and, isn't and, it? And gosh, every year you find new stuff. I mean, I'm still in the accumulating. I mean, I get several new birds a year. It's really fun. Yeah. 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 I bet it I mean, and it's the list. So the list, and if you do it on a yearly basis, it's not, it's to me, it's not always say the final number or it's just what might appear this year didn't appear that year or you know because it's always it's always different but you know marcus ronig is at the 253 for pierce county 205th our area code you know pierce county area code and uh, (laughs) and so he he buys a beer for anyone who gets to the 253 club in pierce oh wow Uh, and so he hasn't bought many beers no i I think it's about eight or ten of us it's not very many uh, and uh, but his wife got to it this year. Heather's been out birding a lot, and uh, uh, she retired. And so she's she said all of a sudden she's kind of pretty. She's very good, and she's really into it this year. She's did she? Getting, she's getting Marcus chasing her around. Now. Did she appreciate the beer, or did she get more than just? The- <laughs> I I don't know. I did not go there. I, I I am hoping to have them on as guests soon, and I'm not sure how I'll ask that question. Probably not quite the way you placed it, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Anyway, but it's it's been really fun. I, I uh, county birding rocks. Oh yes, yeah. really good. It, yeah, it does. And, yeah. and and you you know you bring up the um 
the Ken Knittle and the and the county listing thing. I think it I think it has been a and and of course now with eBird, all this it was harder in the day to keep track of it. And now oh, yeah. it if just if does you, it for you. Right. You edit your birds? Oh, I didn't right. even know I was in yes. that county. <laughs> right. So eBird eBird has been amazing in that way that it's so easy to track your sightings, your county level sightings and because I would say I'm not Necess- other than Kitsap and Clallam, I'm not necessarily into the county birding. But you know, so if I'm in a new, if I'm in a county that I've been into a lot, of Walla Walla County, yeah. whatever, what haven't I seen? You know, and yeah, so, I do yeah. the same thing. I, I, I uh, about a year ago, I decided, well, I just didn't want any more gray counties on my eBird <laughs> state list. So Ken and uh, Ryan, Ryan uh, Weiss and Brian Hansen and I went down last winter to the southeast corner. And we, I, ha, I had no birds in Benton County and Columbia County and Asotan County. You didn't pass Dan and I in Columbia County, did you? Because we were number two for quite a while. Oh, oh trust me, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, unless number two was like 33 yeah, or something. No, it was around 100 or something. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted like, to not have zero. Right, you know? okay. So we had a fabulous winter trip over there. Oh, my. What? It was just a spectacular trip. We had and Jir, then we had the Jir additions. Falcon and... and, oh. and Partridge, I've never seen so many gray partridge in my life. Were they the were deer feeding on the gray partridge? Uh, it probably, when we found the deer, it was really funny. We were up a road. We didn't even know we could go up. We went up some road up into the hills, uh, headed south. And uh, it's just getting late in the day. It's maybe 3.30 and the sun's getting low, you know, at that time of year. And we see a carcass on the side of the road with a red-tailed hawk eating a bird carcass. And we're like... That's kind of weird. Don't think of a red tail taking a bird like that, but it's actually just a red tail picking at the bones of a leftover car- carcass. Oh, yeah. And we pop out of the car, and and Ken, being the astute one, say, "I bet that red tail didn't catch that." Looks around and, oh, mm. look at that foam pole about a mile away. And there's an adult here. That's so cool. Really yeah. cool. Uh, That's cool. And it was it was really a fun trip. We had yeah. just. We went owling every night, and, and w- isn't that the other thing about it too? Is it puts you places in the state that you wouldn't be otherwise, and for you, sure, yeah, for sure. Another, I had hardly been to to Spokane County. I mean, Spokane County just isn't that attractive a place to go birding. You think of, but I took a trip out there this uh, this summer. And I had a blast. I went to oh, Mount yeah. Spokane. What a cool place. Mount yeah. Spokane is a really cool place. Yeah. And then I went down to, uh, oh, the big wildlife refuge just south of there. In Turnbull. Turnbull. Oh, my Spent goodness. Spent my college days a little Turnbull is a great place. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, no doubt. I saw a moose at Turnbull. Did you really? Cool. I did, yeah. Oh, very cool. Very cool. I didn't expect that at all. No. Uh, but anyway, I had a great time there, and, and now I don't have 10 species on my uh, Spokane list. I have more than that. Not a lot more than that, but I have more. Than that. But anyway, you went to Turnbull. You've got uh, yeah. you've got a good goodly it, amount. It, anyway, it was fun. Uh, yeah. But I have to say, it's taken me to places that I just. It gives you a reason to go places. So and true. Make fun. Make it be fun. So true. So anyway, county birding is great, and you're you're rocking Kitsap. Oh I well, it's. I mean, I I do have some importance in Kitsap. I, yeah. I You know. So so. so t- Nia Bay has lately become the place, especially in the fall, but also kind of any time of year, to get rare stuff. I mean, it has just been phenomenal. It's like the Nia Bay effect. I mean, it's really spectacular. Tell me, how, how did that kind of come to be known, and how did that all come about? Very, I mean, I, I mean, it's always sort of been known, but it seems like 10 years or so, maybe. I think, I think you hit it on the 10 years. I, I think it's always been known, um, but I'll go back that I think that folks that have paid attention to the Washington records and bird records have kind of seen some of the records that come from Tattoo Island, um, 
and but not so much the town of Nia Bay in that area, but specifically right. Tattoo Island. So I think there was an awareness awareness that um, rare birds were showing up in the area. So how do you even get to Tattoo Island? Well, never... in this particular case, it was uh, I think it's um, two shellfish researchers that were birders also. That, oh, okay. Uh, and I may be wrong yeah. in the complete story, but they have some people report- had a reason to be there. They had reason to be there, and they were reporting these interesting birds over the years. And but that's where most of the rare Nia Bay area sightings came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think most of the um, I think what happened in the 80s and 90s, uh, perhaps even into the 2000s, the, the seekers of vagrants, I'll mm-hmm. call them. Sure. The rare bird People searchers, looking for rare birds. Bird, people searching for rare birds, the Steve Milodinoffs, the Tom Averses, others, Gene Hun, all those. Their concentration was the vagrant traps in eastern Washington right. and up until mid-September. Nia Bay was kind of more thought of as a place to go for pelagic seabirds, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing, and not so much land birds. Not pasturance, yeah. And it was so far, it was far enough away that it was hard to get to. Certainly out of the way. And the weather was not that good. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I don't say You don't stay in a five-star resort? No, you don't. (laughs) And so I think it really wasn't on... The radar screen as far as um, the vagrant right. seekers. Interrupt. Just for people who aren't from Washington, describe where Nia Bay is. I mean, it's it's a kind of a geographically unique spot. Well, you and and that's going to get back to you know why stuff shows there shows up there. But it is in the far northwest corner of our state, and it protrudes out into um, the ocean with an island off of it. But it it is the opening of the Strait of Juan de Fuca. But, and Vancouver Island sits, you know, X amount, 10, 15 miles to sure. the north. And so it just geographically sticks out in our juts state. Juts out there. Juts out there. Um, so that probably, le- that's going to end up leading to why we see right. what we do do there. Um, but it's it takes a while to get there. And there's just the Macaw Indian Reservation there. So there's not much in the way of, you know, places to stay. Mm-hmm. And, but... Um, it's still a wonderful place to go to, and it's just yeah. gorgeous up there. We were there. both there a week ago. It's a spectacular and place. I, I know you probably had a little bit of weather. The it, first was, couple, it was very nice. It was very nice for us, I'm too. Almost unfortunately. It seems like the best <laughs> birds don't show up when it's very nice, but yeah, it was good. Yeah, no, I think I think there is something, too, that the... The weather when it's not as good is seems to be better for the bird or not so much for the birds. But, but I think here's here's the way I think it kind of plays out as far as the significance and the the um, discovery of it right. as far as the birders of Washington. Um, somewhere around 2010, a local birder, in fact, he was on from Bainbridge Island, where I am from. Nigel Ball was going up there and studying California goals or whatever, but he was always coming up with these clay-colored sparrows, you know, maybe a broad-winged hawk or this and that. Nothing, nothing really mega. No mega. Nothing but still mega, pretty, but something pretty damn good birds. Pretty damn good birds. Yeah. And then, um, so I'm taking a look at this, and others have gone up there, and and like Ryan Merrill and Charlie Wright had probably gone up there and had an experience or two where they're going, yeah, this is. This is interesting. And I think I went up there one of the 
2010 or so and followed Nigel on a report and I found a couple tropical kingbirds and a bullock's oriole, which was totally out of season. I'm going, wow, this is kind of strange what goes on, goes on up here. Yeah. Um, but so we, we kept on, I think the vagrant seeker types were, were, it was getting on the radar screen and so we were going there. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until, I'm going to say, I'm going to have to look at my notes, but the, um, it was the year of the hobby. I was there, yes. And that was, let's see, was that 2011? I would say 11, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And so what happened with the discovery of that hobby, which was essentially WBRC members that were oh, yeah. up there for the weekend. I was there with about 115 people lined up on the on that. Uh, Wasn't that wonderful? Road. That was spectacular. Wasn't that wonderful? Yeah, it was really cool. But the whole two-week period or so of birder coverage during that time that the hobby was there was near daily, not necessarily something mega, but sometimes something mega. The Patagonia roadside effect. Exactly. And out-of-season things, Purple Martins in November and uh, Cliff Swallow. And, and so the whole thing exploded. I think that was the, start, like it to yeah, me too. the starting date. It's still... It's still surprising to some of us that it doesn't get the coverage that we think it should get, um, because it's folks just, sometimes wait a, for the rare bird because it's, it's, it's a long way. It's ways a long way. I mean, to make a day trip there is ridiculous. Yeah, no. Uh, when I do a one day bomb, I'm exhausted when I do it, and I'd love to do two or three days. And there, you live but, an hour and a half closer than I do, <laughs> right. or an hour closer. <laughs> an hour at least, closer, yeah. maybe. Right. It's three hours. It's yeah. three it's hours three from, and half from here. Three yeah. and a half if you're really hauling ass yeah. through those. Yeah, and and that. So if you're doing the return, that's six seven hours of driving for. And could be birding in the rain the whole day, but yeah, yeah. So two or three days is at least the most. one overnight. Two is better. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So that's that's kind of how I play out the history of it. And so what's been seen on a you know, and fall is definitely the the better time. Mm-hmm. Um, though this broad winged hawk thing that happens in early May that mm-hmm. we didn't realize happened. So so springtime does have its. Deal, Attractions. It, it does, but it doesn't necessarily generate the vagrants that the fall has seen. And I mean, look at orchard orioles and blue gray gnatcatchers are now thought of as commonplace in a four, relatively four or five years ago. My first blue gray gnatcatcher in yeah, the state. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. So do you, I thought that there may be two ways birds get there. I, I suspect you know the boreal forest that goes across the north and dips down into northeast Washington and go. Do you think some of the birds come down and around that way or across the strait and end up there? Or do you think more of them just kind of wander their way north until they hit the water? I think the latter. That's I think I the think majority too. of the birds, but but here's here's the reason you can't say it's all that way, because it also has its share of Asian vagrants, and they're not yeah. coming there that no, way. They, yeah. But I think for a good number of the passerine North American migrants that are vagrants are coming up that way. Wander up from California to Oregon to the end, and they go, oh my gosh, I don't think I want to go across that wall. They've reached the northwest corner of, and the next step is out in the ocean. Yeah. Or Tattoosh Island, or maybe backtracking a little bit and wandering around the town of Nia Bay. Yeah. I, you know, who and it knows? Is, it's kind of, it's just dense forest everywhere, except right in the town where there's mixed edge habitat. And I right. think that's why they congregate, seems like that's why they congregate there to me. 
I think that's good reasoning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do too. And, but, and and then, so then I, you're probably getting into the weather part because I think that those are going to be there and it's not weather related. It just seems like they get found on poor weather days because maybe they have been in the forest areas and now this 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 other thing where there's concentration of other birds just has an appeal that I don't know. It's, Who knows? But yeah. some, so, tell me some of your, I mean, you personally have found some of the great birds there. You found the prothonotary tree last year, didn't you? I did. And that was, that was, it, the funny thing was, is that it was, it was a first for many of the oh. fellow WBRC sure. members and Bruce Labar and some yeah. of these other, you know, hardcore, listers, you know, listers yeah. of the state. And, but it was my second. Oh, I, I had, <laughs> had one in Kitsap. Bro, no, 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 no. <laughs> I had one in Nia Bay. So it wasn't oh. even a patch bird. It wasn't a county bird. Oh my goodness. And I had one two years ago that was found by an out-of-state birder. And we just happened to luck out on it on that same day, even though we didn't find it into the same area that he had. It, it had moved uphill to the okay. greenhouse spot. Uh-huh. So two previous years from this prothonotary warbler, I had one. So... This was kind of funny part is that this the prothonotary warbler of last fall uh-huh. was was fun to find because when I yelled it and all these folks are down flying at, out of the crab when shot they're there. all down at the, the crab shot getting their their shack they're getting their coffee they were all just in a sheer out run I should have probably just videotaped them running towards the bird rather than trying to keep track of the bird. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah. So, so blue gray gnatcatch you've had there a number of times seems like orchard oriole shows up there. I mean, fairly regularly. The, yes. It, amazingly enough, there wasn't one last year, but there's been one there for, I mean, there's, we've, there's been one detected um, all but last year for the past five, six years, something yeah, like that. it is pretty cool. So, yeah, it's interesting. And Blue Gray Natcatcher is just a story. It's just, it's crazy. And we're finding the, the, the ones that show up there are of the eastern subspecies. And so they're not these western. Not the southwestern ones. Mm-mm. Okay. So very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So Nia Bay rocks. I am going to ask you for a favor. I want you to draw me a sketch and send it to me of all of the the, the colloquialisms of Nia Bay Panorama, the or or house and the this and that. Like because <laughs> little... they get talked about. Like oh, it's I mean, a... people say, "Well, oh, I saw it by the or or house, or I saw it by this or that." And it's like, what the hell does that mean? It's yeah. not on a map. I don't know what that. <laughs> if you're not part of the in crowd, I have been following it for ten years. You know what they're talking about. Yeah, you just a just a one time tour will probably get you the the names of these different yeah, places that sure, we but coined I, saying, R- Rarity be, Corner. It would be yeah. fun to have that kind of published somewhere. Yeah, uh, I'll, sure put, I'll put it up on uh, on the ABC site and on uh, on my website. And uh, if you if you'll sketch it out for me, I'd like that. <laughs> People, a lot of birders would like that. Yeah, yeah. And even even if we go through the extent of doing that, the interesting part of it is is the next rare bird will be. Something else. Something, yeah. Someplace else. In fact, actually, one of the amazing records um, that I think about is Michael Hobbs comes across a brambling. And it's in a patch of cleared forest, not far from the Wyatch River mouth, mm-hmm. but right. a place that who else is going to go birding there? And it's just this little cleared well, patch. Michael, Michael walks to his own drummer. I mean, he's a super <laughs> nice guy and a really good birder. But he seems like he just goes, you just see him in places you wouldn't expect to see a birder sometimes. Yeah, and he does fine. He's, I mean, he's really good. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> fun, fun. Okay, so we'll get away from Nia Bay. Although oh, I'm going to hold you oh, to that man. sketch. I'm going to hold you to that sketch. That'll be fun. Uh, what are some of your other you know, favorite sort of places to go around the area or around ABA or wherever? If we get if we extend into the ABA area, that that brings up kind of a um, interesting discussion anyway. Because you you know that you've run across me bit. in Riverside yeah, I, we County. Ran, yeah, yes, we ran yeah. into so, each other somewhere down there. So I can't remember. so I do I do have some favorite spots in the ABA area to go, but I will have to say that um, somewhere around 2010 or or earlier, um, because of trips to Mexico. Mm-hmm. There, there was a time in my life where my ABA list was list was, was was everything. Paramount. Seeing yes. life birds with my dad and my older brother when we would go specifically on trips to Southeast Arizona and the Tucson area during you monsoonal. Two, you had two more birds there to get. Yeah, yes. you know, in the in the monsoonal season, going to see the hummingbirds and you know the things you could see there at that time of year and flying to gamble and being on a wings tour in the early 2000s to see the Asian vagrants that you might see. And sure. so the ABA list was the, the end all, you yeah. know, you know, and, and I, if you asked me where I stand on my ABA list, of course, it's now been, I'll just use the word diluted with the addition to Hawaii. I, I don't even count that. Yeah. I don't think eBird does yet either. If you look they at your ABA not. list on eBird, it still shows the same one. Oh, sure. And I think everybody kind of looks at the 700 number and probably doesn't have Hawaii as a reference point right, in there. But right. um, I'm probably near 700 or over 700 in the ABA area, but I don't know because I haven't really tracked it like yeah. i did back in the day when that was my it's become more interesting to go to new places and yes. see the birds where they're common rather than look for them with right i mean that's and that's kind of comes back to this the trips to mexico kind of spoiled my aba listing deal so um but but given that though there's still places that i love to go like riverside um county in, in california with nice, yeah. palm springs area and um the Salton Sea, and what you know, what was the name of the the, the place that we met at and went birding that Morongo Valley? Big, was it Big Morongo? Big Morongo. We met at Big Morongo. Yeah, yeah that's I just fabulous. That oh, yeah, is that cool. So, and and Southeast Arizona, that you can't beat some of those places. Yeah. And so I I love visiting those kind of things. But I I will say that um I've my wife and I have also got into trips to Costa Rica, Panama, and and so Central American birding and, and the trips to Mexico are, are fabulous. Yeah, I'm hoping to do more of those. My daughter lives in Costa Rica now. Oh, wow. So I have a great reason to go. Where does she live in Costa Rica? Uh, she lives uh, in Playa Chiquita, which is way almost to Panama on the Caribbean. Oh. Way, so, way, way down. Oh, on the, oh on yeah. the Caribbean. No. It's about 20 miles from Panama. Okay, maybe went yeah. went there last last year Very to that cool. side. That was a, my first time in Costa Rica to the Caribbean side, and mm-hmm. it was wonderful. Yeah, it's a yeah. pretty cool place. Yeah, in fact, actually, I should know that because I saw an eBird list from you near a couple months prior to where okay. we were staying, so uh-huh. that you had you had done yeah, some birding. I had in done there. some birding there. I tried to, when I was down there. I tried. There's a hawk watch site there. Oh, yeah. A spectacular yeah. hawk watch site that has, uh, I'm reading all about it, it is the, Indi- now, you, what, what is uh, down in Mexico, v- uh, Veracruz. Yeah, right. Uh, not Mexico, but anyway, Veracruz uh, has the, the biggest 
count of birds. But that's really for about 10 different watch sites that has the right. biggest count. Right. The one on that little narrow strip of Costa Rica between the mountains and the, and the uh, shore is the one hawk watch site with the biggest list of hawks, most number of hawks every year. Uh, and I thought, well, I wasn't, wasn't at the right time of year, but I thought, I just got to see this place. Right. But right. it had, had rained so much in the uh, month before I got that, there were huge mudslides. And it was, I mean, it was really inaccessible. You couldn't, you couldn't I, even get I came up looking like I'd been mud wrestling or something. It was just <laughs> awful. <laughs> and, uh, I, I never but did. you'll go back, though. I I'll mean, go you, back when they get the trail reestablished. Yeah, and you'll go back during a time when that... More like, more like October. Minor, yeah. more, I was there yeah. in August. It was like pretty early. Right. But, yeah. yeah, it would be a place to go. I, I, yeah. I, don't, I thought that the, I, you had to get permission to get actually to that site. So I don't It's know. on a native, native land. But I think you just go up and ask the guy there. And just get. You yeah. say, hey, you mind if I go up? And they said, no, that's fine. That's okay. what I did. Yeah. <laughs> he actually said, oh, you want this? And he took out his machete and whacked down a bush. It made me a post. He says, you'll need a walking stick if you're going up there, kid. <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> I, needed, I needed an airplane to go up there, <laughs> yeah. a helicopter. It wasn't enough. Was yeah, it wasn't no. enough. But it was really cool. Yeah. See well, great. Yeah. 80-year-old guy with a machete whacked me up a stick. It was pretty cool. <laughs> he looks at me and says, no, 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 you're not going up there like that. <laughs> well, you'll have some, you'll have some fun times if you go visit your daughter yeah, in Costa Rica. I'm, I'm looking I mean, forward to it. Yeah, looking forward to it. I'm, go, I'm also going to uh, Southeast Texas for a month this winter. I'm oh, going nice. To, I'm just going to stay in McAllen for a month. Oh my goodness! Uh, I just, you know, I think I've decided. I, if if I have my druthers, I've spent my last full winter in Washington. I'm going to get away for at least a I'm little. I'm with you. Ed. A little bit of sunshine. Yeah, and, I'm uh, with you. I'm going to. I rented an Airbnb in McAllen for a month, and I'm just going down and just. Being a self-employed landscaper and working outside in winters in the Pacific Northwest has me now wanting to go places. Looking that, for a warmer place. Yes. And going bird watching in, in shorts or, you know, yeah. light clothing. There's a lot to be said about needing sunglasses. Yes. <laughs> I always say a day of birding when you need sunglasses is usually a good day. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Sunglasses are helpful. Uh, so what do you have coming up, Brad? What's uh, first I'm just going to interrupt. You're on the you're the chairman of the Rare Birds Committee. I want you to talk a little bit about that. I Yeah, I, I kind of got roped into that position. I don't know how that I well I do I do know how it happened. It's just that I I I do serve as chairperson and I I do enjoy it. They I think part of it is um you know having a good relationship with the folks in WAS and being able to communicate because we're kind of a subcommittee. Right. We right. not kind of, we are you a subcommittee, are a subcommittee. <laughs> committee of, of WAS. So I think um, that was important because we're really got a, a fair amount of young birders. Said, and they're, there is. They're, they're actually getting middle-aged now. I try to remind them, but um, it's, so it was probably better that, um, someone of my age who's been around yeah been around and I think others that have been around even longer Bill Twight has already served that role so it was you know it was turn. time for it was my turn so um, well, thanks the chair for your service That's... yeah the chairperson role though I will say is very easy when you have a amazing secretary like Matt Bartels that is incredible on how he goes about the record keeping for our state and transferring the information to the birders of our state once we've made decisions or or once we hope to make decisions on reports and right. getting those reports 
He's just incredible. He's, he's terrific. Yeah. yeah. He's real. I, I've gotten more than one email from him that said, yeah, I know you posted this to eBird, but could you write it up? Because uh, that's an, uh, if you can send me the the live photos instead of off eBird, because they lose a little resolution when they get an eBird. I'd like to see the real photos. And I'm like, wow. Well, just, just know, Ed, that I get those too. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, because I've just recently, you know, he's pestered me about the, and I say pestering in a good way. I mean, yeah. it's like um, the Blackbird, yeah, Blackburnian warbler and Orchard Oriole of, of recent Nia Bay yes. sightings. So yeah, he's yeah. he's on top of it. He is really good. Yeah, yeah. and he's also uh, talk about county birding. He has two hundred oh. in every county. I mean, that's just. That's wow. Oh, if we could only get him to enter it in Ebert. No. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. He's it's incredible. For, for, for a tech savvy guy, he's just a little different in that regard. Oh, yeah. I, I remember. I remember when he got his. He's first hearing. Cell phone. He's going to hear all this, uh, he right? I, mean, I remember when good, he got his first cell phone. You what? A year and a half. A year ago? and a half ago. Yeah. He said, "I had to get a cell phone. I'm so bummed." I'm like, "Whoa." Yeah. <laughs> Tough time, huh? <laughs> he got a new job, and they went, he basically didn't dare show up to the first yeah. day of work without a cell phone. I was saying that Wass and WBRC should have to pay for a cell phone just because it was important. <laughs> I think so, too. Yeah. Get him a smartphone with yeah. eBird installed yeah. already. Yeah. I mean, these the era of him going into McDonald's to get online to... <laughs> yeah. it's just funny yeah yeah so yeah. but but he's Su- an incredible super guy. nice guy fabulous yeah. birder and yeah. uh, just you know everybody has their own drum they go to it's so true it's so true so i'm 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 gonna go to my first was uh board committee meeting this sunday oh are you i just newly got elected good for you and uh i you'll I've, be great That's i don't know excellent. about that but i uh yeah i've i've kind of i never really thought of myself as being part of was for some reason i just you know i just I didn't know that many people, and I bought a life membership 20 years ago or something, so I was kind of in it, but I never did anything. But Ken and I have lately been invited to lead trips at the conventions and stuff. And, and I uh, think it's great. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited yeah. about it. Yeah, it should good be for fun. you. Should be. Yeah. It also meets a mile from my house, which is really nice. They meet at U- UPS, right? Wow. Literally right down the street. Wow. So that, yeah, that's can, pretty convenient. I can walk to the meetings if I want. <laughs> Well, good for you because that—that's. I think that's a worth worthwhile thing to do. And, yeah. and I have no idea what it involves, but I'll find out Sunday. There you go. Well, you'll probably have some um, even communications with WBRC types, so that's all I good. I might. I might. <laughs> yes. Good. So, what's coming up for you? What sort of birding uh, do you have going? Uh, you know, plans do you have? Or, well, um, or even better, what would be your dreams? N- near near term, obviously, we're entering the Nia Bay season, so. Um, we're also coming upon our yearly WBRC meeting, and so you do that at Nia Bay, don't no, you? No, well, we should, but uh, it, uh, but you, we, we there's not enough bird skins in the Butler's Museum for us to really study. Dang, so, yeah. dang so we just have post meeting discussions later there at the Butler. <laughs> um, so that's the joke. Everybody says, "When's the Rare Bird Committee meeting? We need to go to Nia Bay that weekend, and maybe they'll find us a bird." Yeah. <laughs> And the thing about Nia Bay is you have to be there. Some On some of these birds, you have to be there. Because, for example, there was one bird called a field sparrow, state first, mm-hmm. two years ago or something yeah, like that. Well, that happened to be seen on the Saturday of our bird records committee. Just and it happened And to wasn't there the next day for yeah. some that went up there. I didn't go up there. But, um, yeah, so it's it's one of those things that... 
You yeah. you, you got to be there. Yeah, I got to be there. Yeah. Got to keep going. I had Blair Bernson on as a guest a while ago, and you know, he's the the state lister guy every year. And his his first rule, he has two rules of uh, chasing. He said, first rule is go now. The second rule is if you don't don't go if you don't go now, don't complain later. You know, so <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. Don't complain later. Yeah. 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 So anyway, so you're right. You got to be there. If you gotta can't be there. be there, you better drop everything and go right this very minute if you're going to be a chaser. Yeah. Yep. So at uh, near term, um, yeah, it's fall, fall Nia Bay, and then then beyond that, um, I'll have to escape somewhere in the winter to I, go someplace. But I, do, I right now, plans are in the works with my wife and I to go to New Zealand in March where we're going to start that. But I don't know if we can get through January or February without going someplace. Well, I'm going to have extra bedrooms at my place in uh, McAllen. <laughs> there Seriously, you go. That's I, I'm going to, I'm going to put the word out to, to people I know that, there um, you go. you know, when, when there's an open bedroom, they're welcome. And there, there are direct, they're not direct. There are flights to McAllen. Did you know that? No, I never would have dreamt that. But they're like hardly about the not same price. Not from Seattle. Not from Seattle, not direct. But you go to Houston, to, to McAllen, or somewhere, and they're almost the same price as going to Houston. And wow, yeah, I, I drop you. over, pick you up, stay there for a week, you. show me some birds. You know, <laughs> be good. Yeah. Be good. <laughs> you show me some birds. Well, That's what I, it's going to be. I, I, I'm thinking. I'm not. I, I. If I say it now, I'm pretty much committing myself, aren't I? I think the last week I'm there. I'm gonna lead an ABC trip there for a while. Oh, good. Uh, so I figure three weeks to learn my way around and get it. And, and you then, will. And then, and by then I'll kind of have it. You know, at least yeah. I won't get lost driving people around. Right. Uh, and the last week I'm gonna, uh, you know, find another Airbnb they can rent and have a couple of three bedroom places and two or three cars. And there we'll you go. That's lead great. a week long trip in the, in uh, uh, you know. The Rio Grande Valley. It'd be so, fun. have you been there before? I a couple of times. You have a couple. Of yeah. times. Do you still have some hopeful targets? I win- do. Smooth Bill Ani is going to be right. a lifer for me, and I'm I'm going to find that. This <laughs> right. Yeah. There you I've go. got a month to find that. There you and go. you know, there's probably ten or fifteen possibilities. Right. That seem to show that, up yeah, every. Yeah. I mean, yeah. or every two or three or four years. Right. And if I'm there a month, right. And don't have any plans any day, so I can go anywhere, and it's really. An hour drive to everywhere from McAllen that you can find stuff. So there you go. I figure eBirds should come through with two or three ABA birds from me while I'm down there. there you go. Well, Pierce County will miss you for that. Yeah, well, you know, that'll be okay. <laughs> right. it's, a, it's actually a pretty good time. Yeah, that's I, a I mean, very good time. I'll miss a bird in Pierce County or maybe two that show, show up in the way. But middle of January to middle of February, that is not a hot time in Pierce County. No, it's actually, I will say, I mean, there are. Because we have the water, the Puget Sound, it's stuff still show wonderful. Up. Stuff to can bird. show up, right? And it's boy, still an okay place to bird. But if, if you're going to miss a month, that's a pretty you good betcha. month to miss. Go then. Yeah, it's a pretty good month to miss. That's the way I look at it. Anyway, so Brad, I, I try to ask my guests if they have any advice. You're sage and have been around to to two 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 subsets of people. I have listeners who are kind of beginners. I mean, like really beginners, like, uh, is that a sparrow beginners? Uh, yeah. and, and I have listeners who are, you know, like you and know a lot. Uh, so, uh, words of wisdom to uh, listeners, uh, beginners or others about how to, how to, you know, whatever you think would be good for them to hear. Wow. And that's the, and the way you, the way you kind of presented it, birders like me that know a lot. I, and, and I understand that I'm kind of experienced given my 60 years and I've been birding a while, but it's it's something how much you can learn nearly daily um, 
when it comes to birding, I still have a lot to learn. It's humbling. And, isn't it? and when you and when you analyze photographs and look at different things in different plumage states, it's just amazing the 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 things that you can learn. So starting though, I would probably say to birders starting out, get to know in in any fashion whether and using field guides internet now is is a good resource but i would still say to young birders to or inexperienced birders to get some good field guides whether it be the national geo or sibley but then also beyond that to get some of the specialty field guides and and just get just dive into them and dive into your local patches you know, and get to know your common birds. I mean, you, you look at yellow warm-up warblers and you go, they can be they can so They can be 500 rare. species. Yeah, <laughs> you, right, exactly. They can be, you know, in, in any sh- plumage state where you go, what, what, what is that? And then you just, you know. Another so if, if you get, get to know the local common birds as best you can and then, then just build from there. Yeah. Um, that's, I guess, and, and that seems simple advice. It, but, but it's so true. I mean, I, I know so many people, they just get, uh, try to do too much too fast yeah. or or just get frustrated because they don't know enough. And, and I think, you know, my, my advice is always to find some local birders. Oh, go, exactly. Go on the local exactly. Audubon trip. Yes, definitely. Free. There are yes. so many free yeah. That would be resources. the second, right. Is hang out with some people who've been right. around. Right. It, it's just, you learn so much from other people. I mean... Every time I'm within earshot of you, I learn something. And I'm sure you're the same with the Orion or, oh, or totally. whoever else you're around. I mean, you just, the, the fund of knowledge is so vast that nobody knows it all. Right. And the little subsets that each of us know and can share, you just learn right. something. Yeah. In fact, actually, I, I can go back on my days, early days of birding, it was essentially straight out of the field guide. And because that's how my dad operated, it was, if it, if it didn't have a picture in the field guide he didn't know what it was i didn't know what it was and it was it didn't have a fit well we, we now know that there are so many different plumages of so many different things going on that a field guide can only show it's a you nice so much. starting point yeah it's a nice, starting, nice point. starting point but it's just getting out there and doing and and if you can latch on to a mentor or someone that that knows their stuff. Yeah. It is so helpful. It so is. Helpful. It is. I, I just got so lucky when I moved to, I, I got started in birding with, when my wife was a birder and we were married and I didn't even know it. Oh, wow. We're driving by the Everglades to visit my uh, my mom and dad who used to go to Florida for the winter. We had gone to uh, Key West. We're driving north up. We had a, like an extra day. We were just kind of cruising. She says, can we go to the Everglades? I'm like, yeah, we've seen a lot of alligators already. What, what, this seems like a long way. She says, well, I'm a bird watcher. I said, really? And you're already married. I'm like, I'm like, wow. And Kay was the, the, the on again, off again, always pretty good, but never fanatical bird watcher. And, uh, and I said, sure, we can go in and we walk into the ranger station and uh, before the hurricanes, when they really had a ranger station with trees around it. And, uh, she said, do you know where I can find a pileated woodpecker? And they said, you didn't see him on the way in. And they said, they're still out there. I can hear him. And we walk out. And there's like six by the We're just destroying the palm trees all around oh there. Goodness. And we walked over to Inhinga Way and down the down the trail there. And yeah, you, you've seen those posters with all the long-legged waders. You mm-hmm. know, the, the, mm-hmm. the great blue heron and the great 
white heron right. and the great egret and the snowy right. egret and the reddish egret. And, well, I mean, that's what it was. It was a poster like that, just right in front of you. Those all, they're all there. They're we all almost there. tripped over a purple gallon and we were walking down the thing, and I was smitten. It was like, oh, my goodness. Was that your start? That was, that was my first day of burning. That was, and you just and I just said, "Oh my goodness, this is yeah. unbelievable!" And <laughs> thanks Kay, for showing, and, sharing and, that. And, and Kay was, uh, she was a taskmaster. She would not let me put a bird on my list till I knew it. That, that's a good thing too. She, she was like, yeah. "How do you know that's a robin?" I said, "Well, it just is." Well, what were the field marks? <laughs> yeah. like, well, that red breast. What else? <laughs> so she was, she was really good. She taught me. That's to, great. She taught me to write in the little corner of my book the date and the county. And, Perfect. And circle the field marks that I saw. It was great. That is, that's was actually, really, that's good. That's good learning. She was there. good. Yeah. She was yeah. good. Uh, she, uh, she got started birding with, when she was a lumberjack in Idaho, right? I heard her summer after college. Oh, my goodness. And she lived with three guys that were hotshot California birders who had a summer really? job up there. I don't, know who, I don't know who they were. But they. Uh, but she said, I really had, I could go to the local bar and get drunk or I could. Go birding with these three guys. I'll go birding yeah. with these three guys, and, and they, they were, they, and not go to the bar, local bar afterwards. Yeah, maybe I didn't yeah. say that, but anyway. Uh, so she got started there, and so I got started. And, and when I got out here, I yeah, I still knew nothing. I mean, I just knew nothing. I traveled all the way across the country, kind of birded our way. We had a baby, so we jokingly said we we had the the best breastfeeding stops for bird watching ever. That's About every cool. three hours, we'd stop. Kay would sit in a chair, feed the baby, and I'd go looking around, and uh, it was really great. But we got out here, and Ken was teaching his birding class oh, for, wow. through to home Audubon, nice. and I I said, "Okay, you and I are taking that class." She says, "Oh, I like, we're taking that class." So I met Ken, and the, that, having that, a mentor is. It's really helpful. It's so true, isn't it? Yeah. Brought up having a mentor. It's yeah. Wow. And you guys, and you guys have been birding ever since. We are just best buddy, best birding buddies. We have so much fun. Yeah. uh, Anyway, yeah, I learned a lot from Ken, and and now I have the advantage that I can hear and he can see, and between us, we're. Converter, you know. <laughs> I'm about ready to change that too. I'm going to go go for the hearing aid things. So yeah. hopefully, I, I can. St- I, I was a doctor, not a not a landscape. Architect. You didn't listen so, to the, the loud rock and roll and, and run, I, I run back liked, home. I never liked all. loud music, and <laughs> I, good so I, I still hear not like I did 20 years ago. But but you still I good. can I can not do I know what I'm hearing. That's a whole other thing. But I can hear the little sounds. So that's it's good. that's awesome. The it cedar is, wax wings and the yeah. black and white warblers. And, and if you can hear those golden crown kinglets, yeah, I can hear the kinglets and the creepers, <laughs> and I can actually tell the difference a lot of times. Cool. So, yeah. So that's fun. Anyway, Brett, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, this has today. been great. I had a blast. Yeah, this has been fun. And uh, uh, I'll put this up. You'll uh, can tell your friends about it. You, okay. You're now a, a, a star on uh, <laughs> podcasting world. Okay, very good. <laughs> Thanks again. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye. You do. Well, that wraps up the Bird Banner Podcast, episode number 34 with Brad Wagner. I hope you enjoyed Brad's story and his stories. Uh, He's a fun guy to be around. Uh, Right after we uh, finished the podcast, we uh, went over to Dunes Peninsula, a new uh, hotspot here in Pierce County. And sure enough, just as we left, the rain started. And by the time they got there, we got there as a steady mist, typical for the fall and winter in Pierce County, uh, East Western Washington in general. And, and so we joked about that, thought we should have gone birding first and uh, recorded the episode last. But hey, that's not the way it worked. But we had a good time. Uh, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks for listening. Until next time, good birding. Good day.